0: don't leave anything in your car like I'm a big person don't leave anything in your car don't open your mail leave it on the floor don't leave a cup don't leave a straw don't leave a wrapper don't leave a receipt leave nothing in your car all the time it's a habit it's just one of those things and if you someone gets in your car they're like man you're pretty responsible you gotta run someone to the airport and there's not dog hair everywhere it's just a clean car they go "Hmm, you're responsible you go why it's a clean car. It's crazy. It's so clean. It's nice. Perfectly coiffed hair. Looks neat and presentable all the time. He is the, uh, the MIT Blockchain CEO. guest was one of the first and uh, youngest names in the crypto space. Let's bring in MIT Group CEO Grant Mitterlaner.
1: Tea time like I got a cup of. like golf at a quarter to six. I love a regular famous host lane, but they still. So, guys, welcome back to the Grant Mint Podcast, episode number 59. We have David Williamson here. He is the co-founder of Titan Solar Power. They've done over 100,000 installs ever, Mm -hmm. and the largest residential install in the United States. They did over a billion in revenue last fiscal year. First, congratulations, and welcome to the uh, podcast. It's good to see you again. Well, it's obviously my lifelong
0: dream to be on this podcast, and as long as I'm before number 60, I feel honored. Well,
1: it was my lifelong dream to get you on this podcast. Look, a lot of people coming margin. together. Yeah. So it's like perfect. It's what, tr- what do we have after this? It's um, all downhill. It's all downhill. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so great. But it's good to see you. Um, I met David back in, I think, 2021 with Matt yeah. Matt Kronwald. Mm-hmm. Came, we've, we've done tens of millions of dollars in, in solar installations with you guys. Yep. You guys have been fantastic. I think we, I came to the office probably at 2 o'clock, and I left your house at like two in the morning or something like that. Yep, that's, that's very typical. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, but had a good time, but I want to kind of talk through, you know, first, like what got you originally into solar? Cause obviously mm-hmm. Titan, you started what, 10 years ago? Yeah. 10 years ago, March 1st, 2013. Got it. And so what made you even want to get into solar? How did that even happen? I, I got into solar
0: the same way that some, you know, a lot of other solar salespeople get in, yeah. they get dragged into it. Okay. Um, I was a, I don't want to say I was a talented salesperson because it sounds like I'm bragging, but guess what? I was a talented salesperson anyway. Yeah. So uh, talented salespeople in any industry, when they do really well, somehow someone finds out that you're in sales and they go, oh my gosh, if you can sell this product, you probably can sell that product. So I was selling, I was selling cars for a while and selling cars is a tough gig. I was selling used cars and I loved selling used cars. It was one of my favorite jobs. I didn't like working Saturdays and Sundays all the time. Uh, But then I got kind of uh, coerced into working in the water treatment business, selling water softening and reverse osmosis to you know residential applications. And I was not used to that. I was not used to selling in the home. I was always at a car dealership. Someone would come to the dealership. You know, they're they're not on the lot unless they want to buy. Yeah. So I used to have to set appointments and go to someone's home and sell them a water treatment system and do a whole demonstration at their house. It was a three-hour process, and I would test the water and all this stuff. And I was there for six years and after I was there for a while and I wasn't dissatisfied, I wasn't prepared to leave. Someone said, you know what, if you're selling that come work at my water treatment company, I have this new product I want you to sell and you can be the manager and, you know, just moving forward in life. So I took that job and that company um, got sold really quickly and I was out of a job. And so I tried to do water treatment on my own. And right around that time, Solar water heating was becoming a thing again. Mm. Solar water heating was a thing, you know, twenty years ago. Right. But then they reintroduced tax credits, so I was selling water, solar water heating. Right. Then the supply house I was getting my equipment from said, "Have you have you thought about selling solar PV?"
1: Mm. And I
0: said, "What's what does PV stand for?" Right. And they're like photovoltaic. It's the electric stuff. And I'm like, yeah. "Oh, okay." And that wasn't it. Wasn't booming at that time.
1: No.
0: So I started uh, talking to a company that needed a salesperson, and they like literally had no salespeople, mm-hmm. and I was their first salesperson selling. Solar Electric. And right. uh, the first day I worked there was the day I met my, you know, the guy I founded uh, Titan with, yeah. Kyle Badome. Right. He was uh, working at Suncap Financial as the leasing agent. And I was, my very first day, I'm in a conference room, tiny conference room, and he's yeah. doing a PowerPoint on how to enter price per watt. And I'm like, what's mm-hmm. price for watt? Right. And, I go, and he goes, well, put in 180 degrees for azimuth. I go, what's azimuth? And he goes, yeah, I yeah. don't know either. It's funny because he just said, put in 180. I don't know what it means. Yeah. That's when solar was so new. Yeah. Uh, we were all screwing up back then. And so that was my, that's how I got into residential solar. It's not like I was, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't thinking I'll be a fireman, an astronaut or a solar salesperson. So that's, I got kind of, like I said, dragged towards it because I was a decent enough salesperson and, you know, you sold things before people must've said, oh, maybe you should sell this product. You should sell that product. You're a good looking guy. Go sell my product. It's all self-serving. Everybody wants you to sell their stuff. But that's how I got into solar in the beginning.
1: Okay. And then talk about how you and Kyle ended up starting the company. What made you guys want to do it? And how did that happen? And what was that first couple of years like? So Kyle was working
0: at Suncap and I started working at that other solar company and I was just a normal sales guy there. Right. And uh, after two or three or four months after getting my feet wet, and I understood the industry pretty well, Kyle asked me to go to lunch. And so I went to lunch with him and I told them how I sold and everything. And a short while after that, he said, you know, there's this other company that's much closer to your house, because he and I lived on the same side of town. He said, another company that's based in Tempe instead of North Phoenix, you should go work there, because they have a company car sitting around waiting to be used. And I said, oh, well, I like that. So I started working at that other company. Mm -hmm. And I filled the pipeline there, and I hired a salesperson, and I was building the company there. And then because I because I believe that I built up a big enough book, they were able to sell their little franchise to someone else who started running it very poorly. And they decided, hey, if we fire this guy, we can keep all of his commissions. We can make a bunch of money, Mm. which happens a lot in the solar industry. Someone just goes after the salespeople's commission because they see a bunch of money sitting there. And everyone has that story. And so um, Kyle says to me around the same time, hey, I'm going to work at this other company. I'm going to leave Suncap, and I'm going to be the general manager of this other company in Phoenix. And they want to expand into... Uh, California, and I'm going to help him do that. And I said, Great. And he goes, Why are you telling me? You know, odd flex. Why are you bragging when I'm about to lose my job over here? Yeah. And he goes, Because I need a sales manager. I'm not a salesperson. I've never really sold. I don't know how to run salespeople. You know, I'm more of an admin tech guy. And I said, All right. So I started working at that company in 2012, and I think April of 2012. And he didn't come on board till June of that year. Okay. And it was fun because I got to ingratiate myself with everyone at the whole staff, and I got to teach the salespeople how to sell. And everyone loved me within, you know, two months. Didn't take that long. Take everyone that loved long. me right away. Right, a good right. looking guy. Um, but they all trusted me after two months, and then they found out this guy Kyle was coming in. And okay. so Kyle's first week, because we lived on the same side of town, we would carpool. Um, before his first week, I told everybody that he was an asshole and that he was going <laughs> to probably fire everybody because he's just such a horrible person. Yeah. And so his first, and Kyle's a really sweet guy. he's super nice. Yeah. So his first week, Monday, and we shared an office, Monday through Thursday. Everyone's so distant to him. Like he, they would come into the office to ask a question, a question they should ask him. And they'd go, hey, question. And Kyle would go, I can help. And look at him and go, David, um, you, what? Uh, <laughs> and so he was, uh, we'd go to lunch and he'd say, man, people are treating me like garbage here. This like, place well, they're, is weird. I are so weird on because everyone normally All likes right. Kyle, right? <laughs> And I go, I think I, know, I think I know what the deal is, man. And he goes, what? And I go, I told everyone you were a dick. <laughs> you were probably just going to let him go. And he goes, why? And I go, I don't know. I thought it'd be fun. I go, well, I've been having fun all week. And so that Thursday, I went around the office, and I told everybody, hey, I was kidding. Kyle's really nice. And they go, yeah, he is nice. Yeah. We were wondering when we could start, start being nice to him. I'm like, yeah, you can start right now. Yeah. And so that Friday was a fun day, because everyone treated him a lot better. Right. And so we worked there. Um, we were working there June, July, August. And through the summer, at that company, uh, the same thing that happened to me when I was a sales guy started happening there, meaning mm. they were letting salespeople build up commission pipelines and then finding a reason to steal the commission. Crazy. And they would make us go tell the salesperson, you know, David, tell this guy Dino down in uh, Tucson that we owe him six grand, but he's not going to get it. We'll send him 1,000 and that's it. And I'm like, why? I'm like, well, we, he was at an HOMA, HOA meeting with a different shirt instead of our company logo. Uh. And I'm like, but he's a 1099. He can work for every he wants. And they go, Nope, we're keeping his money. I'm like, so I have to call this guy and say they're not going to pay you. And he's like, Well, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, I can't sue him. I'm 1099. I'm like, you can, but you're not gonna go anywhere. You don't have money for a lawyer, do you? And he's like, No, I spend my money right away. I'm a sales guy. And that's what salespeople do. As soon as they right. get money, they spend, it. they spend it. Um and then Kyle had to call different guys that I had to call at least three guys to tell them they're not getting commission. Kyle had to call a handful. And that started going on towards the end of that summer, and their installs were poor. And they were they were 1099-ing the install crews, which you can't do. And just everything was like, they were doing everything wrong. And at some point in November of the end of that year, uh, we were driving back from a particularly crappy day. Yeah. And I, I just turned to Kyle and I said, dude, I go, you know, if we had a contractor's license and a little bit of startup money, like we could start a solar company tomorrow. Like I can go out and make all the sales. We don't even need anyone to sell. I'll go sell everything. And then we'll just figure out who's going to do the install. And he goes, well, I don't have any money. And I said, well, I don't have any money because I was a sales guy. I spent it all. Uh, I go, he's like, I don't have a license either. I'm like, well, my father-in-law has a dormant con- contractor's license that sits here. does nothing. doesn't even have a bank account attached to it. Yeah. So I went to my father-in-law at the time and I said, you know, this is what we want to do. And I know the industry, or at least I thought I knew the industry well enough. And through a couple series of meetings, we put together a plan and said, okay, we're going to start in March. And we secured a little teeny uh, warehouse, like 1,900 square foot office warehouse in Gilbert. And we were going to start. A solar company yeah. and that first week we started the company we uh, that Monday like on that we got the keys to the door on Saturday the first and we painted the painted the inside of it bought a couple of used desks and set it up and it was cute. Hmm. we bought a printer we were going shopping every day and right. we're buying all this used stuff and all the entry level entry level stuff and by that Thursday of the first week of business we realized, hey, we haven't made any money. we haven't done anything it's like an issue, <laughs> right? an issue. Right? Yeah. this is a problem we have to go make a sale. So, I went out and bought some clean energy expert leads um, that afternoon, and on Friday they were come, the appointments were coming in and they weren 't appointments they were things I had to call on, and I called on them and I was used to doing that set a couple of appointments. The first one I set was a guy named Don Shams. I went to his house that next week, sold him and two of his uh, buddies at work, so we sold three deals right away, and I sold them dirt cheap just because I was desperate to get a you know some business in right and then, like we just started going from there we had to like learn everything. So mm-hmm. sold a deal on a contract, and then we're like, "Oh, now what?" We had to call SRP and say, "Hey, how do you how do you fill out your application?" Like we went to SRP and asked them, "How does the process go?" And we had to go to APS and say, "How does this process go?" And this is early on. This it's a lot easier today. It's all everything's done on all through an online portal. But this right. is back when you filled out a paper application and you faxed it into them. Right. Um, so we had to learn every single thing. You know, we thought, "Oh, you." Great, we we sold the deal in Chandler, so we go get to we get to install it in a couple months, and we'll get someone to install it. Well, I sold it so cheap, no one could install it because I I didn't price in labor. So once we process the deal through utility, HOA permit, it's ready to install. We can't afford a crew. So Kyle and I, being sales guys had to go on the roof and do the install ourselves. We hired an electrician to do the groundwork, right. but he was a regular electrician. He wasn't a solar guy, so he wired it backwards. It didn't do anything. It's just like electricians think of power flowing one way. Correct. Well, solar, it's flowing the other way. That and is. so he wired it completely backwards, so we had to reverse all that because we failed the inspection, of course. And we did the install on the roof, and it took us three days to do a five-kilowatt system, <laughs> and that would normally take four hours. right.
1: That's how easy to work.
0: That's how that was our start into the industry, like figuring it all out all by ourselves. No prior install knowledge, no one teaching us how to do it. Um, nothing.
1: Just thrown right into it. What point did it you and Kyle kind of look at each other it's like, this thing's finally working? Like we have a machine turning, this is being successful or profitable. Uh not for the first yeah, not till at least
0: after the first year, year and a half. Okay. Like we had there's a certain number of deals you had to sell in a month in order for us to like pay our bills. Sure. Cuz it was only Kyle and I for the first year. We didn't have any employees. Mm-mm. It was just the two of us. In fact, um, we didn't hire our first guy or warehouse guy till maybe 18 months later, I think. Okay. And then my wife started working there and she we didn't even hire her as a, an employee. She was like a consultant.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so we were, you know, we weren't successful at all for the first couple of years. Right. Once we started once we had an opportunity to start the whole EPC dealer model and kind of perfect that, that's when we started getting more and more sales. And there was a bunch of circumstances and things that happened during that time that led us to getting more and more business. Um, just weird things like we were we were already a, a decent enough company with a couple install crews, and then Vegas shuts down, and then everybody from Vegas who's selling solar wants to sell somewhere close to Vegas. So Those are coming to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so we get flooded with salespeople that just need a place to sell deals. And then around that same time, um, someone someone tells someone in the industry that David speaks Spanish. So then every Hispanic salesperson <laughs> who can't speak any English comes in and wants to talk to me all in Spanish. And I have to teach them how to sell solar because they don't really know how to sell it. They know how to rip right. off their friends, but they don't know how to sell solar. Um, so a couple of those things happen. So we went from two or three crews to 15 crews in a summer, which, wow. is, it, which is crazy hyper. It's a big jump. And then within a year after that, we had 30 crews, and it was just... This is year three or four? Between years, years three and four. So we that's went, when it really started. We went from, after two years, we had two or three crews, and then we just went straight up. We had Sunrun vans pull up in the parking lot, four guys get out and fill out job applications. It's like the whole crew is leaving Sunrun, just going to start working here. Crazy. And they, would all, they were on the same crew when they started our place. Team number seven is the Sunrun crew.
1: Yeah. When you guys... So when that started happening... How because you and you and Kyle, this is the first time y'all running a company ever. Right. So did y'all have any advice? Were y'all reading anything? Were y'all just figuring out everything as you go? How did you know how many people you needed to hire? How did you know how to scale the right way, not scale too quickly? What was going through y'all's mind in those those years?
0: During that time, um, my father in law, who um he's no longer my father in law, not right. that anyone needs to know about that. It's my personal business. So yeah. You can tell you can put that in there. Um <laughs> He was actually going through a divorce, and okay. so he needed a place to um, run his electrical contracting business. He was an electric, electrical okay. contractor in California, so he shared office space with us. We let him have the loft upstairs, and then we kept moving offices. We just kept giving a space for him. Right. Well, he's really, good at, um, he's really good at structuring a business in a way to minimize tax, you know, maximize profit, minimize taxing, and just he really uh, has a good mind for, for that. Right. Kyle leaned on him a ton for that. They would spend, they, they still, they work together today. Yeah. They spend every day together. And my father-in-law taught Kyle pretty much everything he knows about running the finance side. It's good. Uh, I couldn't tell you that I read a single book yeah. or had any advice on how to scale the sales and operation side. I just figured it out. You had a knack for it. I had a knack for it. I mean, I worked in the restaurant business for a long time. I worked in sales for a long time. I just right. And I worked in a factory when I was like 19. Yeah. I understand the fastest way to do I understand the fastest and most efficient way to do any one action. Mm. If you and I have to go start laying brick uh, on a fence over here, and we're going to have, it's just the two of us, I'm going to find the fastest way for us to get the pile of bricks over to the fence and stack them in a way that goes the quickest. It's just yes. how I, I do things. When Kyle and I were loading trucks back and was just he and I, he was handing the handlets up to me to a, a box truck and I'm putting them in there. And eventually I'd say, Kyle, could you stop handing them to me, facing me? He's like, what do you mean? I go, you're down there. Just grab them the other way. Can't you see that I'm spinning them every time you hand them to me? If you hand them to me with the youth of the glass facing you, I get to grab it and set it. I keep grabbing it, spinning it, setting it. How many times are you going to watch me do that and think to yourself, I'll just do this. He's just grabbing them wrong. And he's he's not grabbing them wrong. He's grabbing them in a way where he's not thinking about the next action, which is what I am going to do next. I would do that that kind of stuff. I'm going to hand you a solar panel. If you're on the roof, I'm going to hand you from the ladder, the panel in a way where you grab it and you don't have to flip it. So just all those things, just the next step. I was pretty good at that. And... And the, every single task we did, like I wanted to know how long does it take to do a design set? Like a human being sits down in front of a CAD program and has to draw the roof, put the panels on there, do the electrical diagram. Great. How long does that take? And you go, well, for an easy plan set takes an hour. I go, okay. And there's eight hours in a day. I should expect eight plan sets a day out of a human. Right. And then the, you know, someone was like, well, you know, they can't do eight a day. And I'm like, why? You just said it takes an hour. Well, they have to go to the bathroom. Fine. They they do five a day. Okay, fine. Five a day. Great. I get five plan sets out of a human per day. You're great. I go, okay, great. We did 25 deals this week. There's five days in a week. I need one designer. And they go, well, we need more. No, 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 no. It's it's science. If you're doing this many deals and it only takes this long to do this task, I need this many people. And then anybody who tells me differently is doing something inefficiently in the process. I know how long it takes to do that thing. They go, well, some plants sets are harder, right? I already compensated for that. I gave them double the time. And they go, well, I, right. You're not really working. You're being lazy. You're talking too much to your friends or you're being incompetent or you're doing it in a way that's not the most effective. So I can recognize that kind of stuff. I could go to any company today, go into any department they have and realize
1: where they can save money
0: because they're not doing it in the most efficient way.
1: So you look for, you find a, a very complex puzzle and make it extremely simple. Extremely simple. I, was, I
0: had lunch with a guy two days ago mm-hmm. who's in solar yeah. and thinks he knows enough to sell it. And I asked, I asked him like four or five questions. And I'm like, brother, why are you selling solar? You need to be in jail. Yeah. <laughs> like you're in a class. It's too complex. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. When I said the word azimuth to him, he looked at me like I was crazy. He thought, he'd think, yeah, that's not a real word. And I'm like, yeah, it is a word. Yeah. like, look it up. It's the orientation of the panels relative to the horizon.
1: Right.
0: right. I go, you understand that? And he goes, well, now I do. I'm like, which way is south? And he goes, that way? And I go, what's the degrees? He goes, I don't know, 360? And I said, no, man, circle. Zero, 360, that's 180. 180, he's right, 180. I go, what's east? He goes, I don't know. I go, what's half of 180? He's hadn't even think about it. He's about to pull his calculator. I'm going to slap his hand. I'm like, dude, you're 40 years old. You can't figure it out. The industry, like, there's filled
1: with people that just, like, don't know what they're doing. And it's crazy to me. It is crazy. And and how do you think the solar industry grows in a more ethical way that can scale? Because I talked to Matt about this. For we had a whole dinner about this. How you know one thing I've been wanting to do for the solar industry is when you get a lot of sales guys involved in stuff, a lot of crazy stuff happens, right? right? And if we can incorporate more compliance, more integrity, track. What, for example, let's say you have a rep that's been with you two years. If there's even just a system that can regulate and track every deal that they've sold, was there complaints? Was there issues to prevent bad things? Because if, even if another solar company that's competing with yours or whoever right. is doing really good business, it's good for the industry right. because they're going to tell someone, oh, I just got solar and it's fantastic. But what's hurt is with this massive growth, you get the bad actors, you get the bad people and it causes issues now it's like as far as when you're talking about you, you talk about all the hiring you're talking about systems and keeping things simple what type of people do you look for when you're hiring someone what are certain traits that you see or trends and different things about them that makes you think okay this person's going to be good and what what kind of things did you learn along the way on, on the hiring mistakes and different things like that to help you really fine tune it I used to like to hire people that I knew, okay. that if I like, if I thought they were
0: um, high integrity people, and obviously intelligent, I thought, oh, I could teach it. I can teach them solar. Like I know solar really, really well. I know it better than most people know it, as far as how it's how it's built, um, how to sell it, and how to use those two together. So um, I could say if I could take somebody, and the person I, you know, I, I poured all my knowledge into for the longest time was Chrissy yes. and you know, Chrissy what got hired at $17 an hour when she was over at my friend's house, getting a spray tan from his wife. And I just happened to be there because like the four of my wife and that other couple were going to go out and get drinks. Right. And I'm like, Hey dog, what are you doing? She's like, Oh, I work at this company selling, you know, fixtures. And I'm like, Oh, do you sell a lot of bathroom fixtures? She's like, yeah. And I go, how many have you sold? She's like, well, nothing yet. I'm like, dog, you're not in a job. You're, yeah. You know, you have a job, but you're not doing anything. It will come work for me. And she had to think about it because we were a startup. But like I poured into her for years and years and years, and she's like completely well-rounded today, but not everyone can, you can't just do that with every single person. So, you know, you try, you hire someone and you try to teach them and try to teach them, try to teach them. But the, what they do and what they produce is easily measured. If I'm going to hire someone and I say, I need you to be in the permitting department and I need you to get this many permits done or submitted in this time. And I need you to learn how to look at a plan set and see where the disconnect is, and tell me what, if it's a 30 amp or 60 amp disconnect, if it's a fuse or non-fused, you have to understand this stuff. Right. You can, I think I can teach almost anyone that. And if you can't teach them, if they're too slow at it or they just don't get it, you go, hey, I can't have you do this job anymore. Yeah. There's going to be another job. So we would, I would always want to try to, you know, retool somebody and say, look, you can't do this one because you're not fast enough at it. You're not smart enough at it. No big deal. You don't, you don't click. Mm-hmm. Let's have you do something else. Let's use your personality instead of your, you know, your mind over here because there's a, there's a benefit to something. And at some point you'd say, you know what, I can't, you can't do this job because you just don't get right. it. And then you have to eventually let them go. Firing people was the hardest thing. I don't think I fired anybody. Um, in the, for in the nine years, 10 years I was there, I don't think I fired many people. Yeah. Like just couldn't do it. I'd, I'd, I'd ask someone else to find, like, you gotta fire them. I'm like, yeah. not getting it. But like, I, you know, you kind of, you were kind of going down a, a thought track there. Like what, what prevents the bad sales guys or how does the industry change? Um, and you said something about uh, like having a accountability, like, or being yeah. able to say this person sold all these deals. Right. Um, the industry is going to get regulated. Yeah. And if if the industry doesn't regulate itself, if we don't come up with something ourselves,
1: it'll be over regulated.
0: It'll be over regulated because right. Nevada is doing that now. Yep. Nevada wants to propose SB 293, mm-hmm. which is a bill that says that the customer can cancel their project up to four years after install. <sighs> You can cancel your project four years later it by banks, claiming fraud.
1: It would bankrupt the whole industry. Probably. Right. Yeah.
0: Customers can just lie and say, oh, no, no, I, I was definitely lied to. I was told this. You're like, well, no, we, we sold it to you completely normal. And look, the price is really good. No, mm-hmm. I just don't feel like paying for it anymore. We're don't maybe. want it. Loan goes away. System gets removed. Roof gets replaced for free because all those holes in there. So, yeah, everyone would pull out of Nevada what What loan company, what person that finances a deal would finance a deal there no with that circumstance yeah right so there's there's people that are already talking to you know the governor saying, hey, there's got to be a way that where we don't have this i mean, no there were they, uh, there was people saying that solar salespeople should wear a body camera in the home and record everything they say for the three hours, two hours that they're
1: there It's crazy,
0: so one of our problems in the industry is that we did solar took off really fast, yeah. People can jump into it with minimal training, if none at all. The quoting platforms have gotten so easy that you can just tell someone, look, put the info here. The quote comes out and just talk about the quote. And the customer says, yes, click sign, sign, sign. That's all you have to do. And to some degree, you you can do that. But you still have to explain the federal tax credit, how the form works, how they're how it applies to them if they qualify for Utilities it. Utilities buyback. The, the buyback the rates. offset. All the why you're putting panels on the west side of the roof instead of the east side of the roof on a time of usage plan. And reps don't understand that. Mm-hmm. So reps need to go through some kind of standardized basic training. Yeah. They and there's a company that already exists now, just started. Uh they launched in August. Mentis is doing this. Mentis is founded by Brian Johnson and Chris Tricola. and they have a two hour training and it's it's mm-hmm. it's third party, it's third party certification, and it's a training module where they have to take a hundred and fourteen question quiz and they get a license number just yeah. like a realtor. Yeah. And they will now be trackable. That rep, if they do a bad deal, the attorney general in that state has access to the same database wow. and can say complaint against this rep, and then it can get cleared up. But you can put you can put anything in there. Yeah. Um, one of our one of the biggest problems in the solar sales industry is permit poaching because
1: they'll go see the permit.
0: Well, jurisdictions will post for public record that someone applied for a solar permit. And then so these sleazy sales guys that are lazy that won't go out and find their own leads will go to the database, look up the customer, knock on the door and say, hey, by the way, uh, I noticed you've got a solar permit in there. Um, We actually work with the city and I can give you a much better deal. The customer is going to listen to that person. Right. How'd you get my info? They don't know this public record. Well, we can find out who these guys are and start reporting them and they can lose their license and we can report bad installers that didn't pay the right commission and we can report bad sales leaders that didn't pay out the right commission and we can report bad sales reps that lied to the homeowner or misled the homeowner or did their own docu sign for the homeowner you have a registry yeah. and everyone if everyone was on one database like that man who who's going to get away with anything anymore
1: you can't you're Someone held because worked, you're held accountable right
0: some guy keith smith works for you puts in 5 deals And they're in the pipeline. You pay him front-end commission on all five. Then he finds out his buddy is over at another company over here. He convinces four of the five people to cancel their contract with you and Titan, takes them to other installer, Mm -hmm. gets paid front-end commission on those four. You say to him, hey, man, you owe me the front-end commission on those first four I paid you because they all canceled. And he goes, right, try to find me. I I rent and I live in my car. I'll drive to Mexico. You'll never find me. And so you write it off. Right. Happens all the, time. all the time. It'd be nice if you could say that guy's name because he's got a Mentis number, ripped me off for four front end commissions and has not paid it back. Mm-hmm. Now, when he goes to hang his license with the next installer, they look him up and go, Don't you owe uh, Grant Mitt eight grand? Yeah. And he goes, Well, you don't understand. Uh, they were going to promise me leads. and blah, blah. So, wait, so you do owe him money? Yeah, yeah I owe him money. How come you haven't paid him? Well, I shoved it up my nose like normal. Yeah, I'm a sales yeah, guy. Yeah. So, we can stop a lot of those problems from happening,
1: and they're still going on today. They just keep happening. The is the key. One thing that we did uh, early this year is I was talking to Matt about this. And you, have you ever had a sales rep the first three months? You, he's smart. He's good at talking to you. You assume he knows these sayings, and you ask him a simple question, or you find out the customer says this, you go, what? You don't know this? Right. And so we would have lost transitions when we were in boot camp training. Maybe they misheard the manager. Maybe it was too much information. So we just literally built like an in-house course where they watch all the videos, take quizzes after everything. If they don't pass with a 90%, it doesn't matter how good they sound, how cool they are, who they know, they can't even graduate. But the tracking is key. As long as they don't over-regulate, which is scary because we've seen this in obviously Nevada. Every
0: good sales organization has their own in-house training because right. there's everyone kind of has their own philosophy on the way they're going to sell. Right. Some people say you want to sell.